This morning we begin a new series for Advent, Text Messages from God, Sending and Receiving the Messages Christmas. The text that we will be using during the Advent season comes from the Gospel of Luke, the first chapter. And we sort of looked at it in an unusual way, that it is a message from God, message given to distinct individuals throughout uh, our history. But as I look at this passage, I realize that, you know, texting for many of us has uh, overcome our communication skills. Almost 80 to 90 percent of Americans text every single day, every single moment. And as I look at you, look down, I'll know if you're texting this morning. Yeah, there it is back there in the back. Okay, all kinds. We do it everywhere, don't we? It's fun. Well, it's not fun getting behind a car and watching people going to town on it. All kinds of things happen. It's created its own language with its own abbreviations. And as you look at those abbreviations, some of them are easy to understand. Others of them are difficult and make it complex. Some of them are even obscene. you got to watch what you text. These autocorrects. If you go in and look at autocorrects uh, corrects on the Internet... Uh, you won't look long, okay, because it does some amazing things to our messages. Many of those messages get misinterpreted, they get misunderstood, it gets confusing at times because it's really only one form of communications, that written form. And in our text this morning in the book, in the Gospel of Luke, our text is God's message to a teenage girl that uses a lot of different forms of communications. Gabriel speaks his words. She's able to look upon his face and interpret all the thoughts and all the emotion that is there. She's able to hear his voice as it packs the message together. And so will you turn with me to Luke, the first chapter, verse 26 through 38, as we read the message of God. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relation, relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. 
we look at the message of God as it is revealed to the angel Gabriel. Gabriel is the hero of God, the champion of God. And as you look at Luke, the first chapter, verse 9, you see that he describes himself as the one who stands in the presence of God. He is in the very holy of holies as God pronounces his direction. He is the trusted aid to God Almighty. He is powerful. He is knowledgeable. He is trustworthy. He is holy. And he brings this message to this young girl. It is a message, not Gabriel's message. It's not a message that someone has thought up in heaven itself. But it is a message directly from God himself. Gabriel is simply the messenger. And he sends and he declares this message directly to Mary. It's not gossip. It is not some generality that somebody can some put different meanings to. But it is specific. We really don't know when Mary received this message, whether it was at night when she was praying or whether it was during the day as she was walking. We really don't understand the delivery, but we do understand one thing about Mary. She was available. She was there to hear the message of God from the messenger of God. And when we look at that message, we realize that God's text message to Mary is a message of assurance. Notice that he said unto her, But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Fear is normally the first reaction when somebody appears to us that we didn't expect. One of the things that happens in our family many times is that our grandkids love to scare their grandmother. And she loves to scare them. And it is always a contest on who can get the next one. And it may happen when it's unexpected and the very first thing that happens is that I hear this scream go through the house. Because Mimi has stood in a closet somewhere waiting for them to open it. Fear when it's unexpected, when something happens to us, grips us. It can paralyze us. It can make us to the point that we can't even make a decision. We're afraid to make a decision because it could be wrong. And so consequently we do what? Nothing. And we just stand there. Apple stock split a few months ago, a few weeks ago. Went down to 90 some dollars a share and I went, buy it. Another part of me said, you're going to lose money. You've lost money before. You really don't want to lose that money. And the other part of me said, buy it. It's going to go up. It's inevitable. They're coming out with a new phone and a new pad. It's just going to go up. But I'm getting old. And I can't lose the money. And if I lose the money, well, I don't plan on giving my grandkids anything anyway, so I spend it all, okay? <laughs> but I could lose the money. And I did not buy the stock at $92, which closed Friday at 118 And we'll only do one thing, go higher. Because I was afraid. Afraid. Mary 
was gripped with fear. And the angel said, but Mary, don't be afraid because the grace of God, the presence of God is upon you. The favor of God. The word favor there has a connotation and is related to the noun grace. The grace of God. She was the recipient of that grace. She did nothing to earn it. She did nothing to make herself stand out. God looked upon her and had favor upon her. She received the grace of God. It's a message of assurance, but it's also a message of promise. Verse 31. The angel says unto Mary, you'll bring forth a son. And what a joy it was to all the Jewish mothers to receive the message that it would be a son. Jackie's family has four, five girls in it. And I'm sure Arnold would have been happy to have received the message, it's a boy. But there was five girls. And in the Jewish family, to receive the message that it was a boy brought joy because it was a way that the family could move on. The name would live on another generation. It also fulfilled the promise to David there in 2 Samuel, the 7th chapter, verse 25, and also in Psalms, the 89th chapter, verse 3, in which it says, You said, I have a covenant with my chosen one. I have swore to David, my servant, I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. It was a promise that the throne of David would continue on, that it would go on forever, and that Jesus... The son, the babe born unto Mary would continue that line and sit on that throne and occupy that throne for all eternity. It was a message of promise. But it was also a message with a commandment. Verse 31, it says, And give him the name Jesus. The name that is related to the Hebrew word Joshua. Joshua, which implies the salvation of Jehovah. Yahweh saves. That is the name in which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. It is not Mohammed. It is not Buddha. It is not mystical thought. It is not the universe. It is not the plants and the trees and the animals that possess it. It is the name of Jesus, and at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And if we are ashamed of the name of Jesus, we have no part with him. It is a commandment. Salvation delivered. It is a time in which salvation history is brought to life. Luke 2, the 21st, chapter, uh, 21st verse says, He is named Jesus. He was named Jesus. The name the angels had given before he had been conceived. God had this plan in motion far, far before Mary knew about the plan. God was working throughout history. It is a message with a commandment. It is a message with a prophecy. Verse 32, and he shall be great, great in power, great in wisdom, great in dominion on the earth and in the heavens. He is the son of the highest. He is divine. He is sinless. 
And in the Hebrew concept, it was thought that the son was a carbon copy of his father. He possessed his father's qualities. Now, there's some of you I could stick beside your dad and we couldn't tell the difference. And if my dad, a few years ago, would stand beside me, you would not know the difference. We speak the same, we look the same, and sometimes it makes me upset. Okay? Because I sit back and I go, I know I don't do that. And I do. And it's interesting to watch that take place in families. But in the Hebrew concept, Jesus, the Son of the Most High, the divine of heaven, has the characteristics of heaven and God himself. He is divine. He is our great God. And as Psalms, the 95th chapter says, For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form the dry land. It is this Jesus. It is this babe born unto Mary that possesses the characteristics and the being of God himself. He is a great God, a mighty God, and he will possess that throne of David. But text messaging goes two ways, doesn't it? It is in the sending of the message, but it is also in the receiving of the message. And God's message to Mary is received by her. And as you look at that passage of Scripture, you realize that the message is sent to Mary, who is a virgin, a chaste, a young teenager. And it is a concept that is hard for us to grab a hold of. It is a concept that has divided the church throughout generations. It is a concept that is essential to our faith. Because it is a concept that says that God impregnated Mary and that she brought forth the Son of God. And in Jesus, he was both human and he was divine. Now how that happened, I don't know. By faith, I receive the word of God and I stand upon it. And I understand that it's essential to our faith because... It is God's sacrifice for our sins, the sinless life of Jesus. Born unto Mary, a teenager who was engaged, engaged with the concept that they were already married except they had not been together. And that if she was found with child and found to be unfaithful, she could be stoned at the city gates. But as you look at that message and as she received it, she received a special greeting. It says, you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. Can you imagine this teenager? Can teenagers imagine yourselves in your room with your headset on, blaring away, enjoying yourself, and all of a sudden the angel of God appears? I don't know what he looked like. I know that you would know it instantaneously. And he would speak to you. And he would tell you, you would be with child. That alone would scare the living daylights out of me, okay? Scares me as a parent. 
that my teenager would come to me and go, Dad, I need to tell you something. I told my girls, if you ever have to do that, come in, tell me, and leave immediately. Shut the door because I'm going to have a fit. Okay? And I really don't want to say anything or do anything during that fit. That may make the matter worse. So shut the door and leave. Give me an hour or two. Let me come down. This is the message given to Mary. You're favored by God and God is with you. And I don't fully understand all that. But notice God gave unto Mary a plan. A plan that caused her to change her plan to his plan. God message compelled her, compelled her. God interrupted her plan. She had a plan for her life. She knew exactly what she was going to do. She was going to marry Joseph. He was a carpenter. He made a good living. They were going to have children, and they were going to grow old together. It was a good life. It satisfied the need in her life, and it was planned. How many of us have a plan for our lives? God interrupted Mary's plan. God interrupted Joseph's plan. God interrupted their parents' plan. He interrupted the plan of Satan himself. Because he brought about salvation into this world. Joseph wasn't rich, but he could provide a comfortable life. She had her plan in place, but God was about to change it. Notice that this plan caused confusion. And when you stand in the presence of God and he gives you the message that he has for you, there many times is confusion. And that honesty before him is essential. We must confess that honesty before him. We never expect many of the things that happen in our life, but God brings about that common response to the heavenly personage that he finds there. He says, she says, I am disturbed, I'm confused, I don't know what's going on. Disturbed because I can't explain what God is trying to say to me. I can't understand this concept that I would be with child and not to have been with Joseph. I hear the voice, I hear the message but I see myself and I understand that I fall short. I understand as Mary looks at herself, she understands that she has sinned and she has her own challenges in her life. And that the journey that has brought her thus far is only that of faith. It causes confusion. But notice it caused Mary to question, how can this be since I'm a virgin? You know the amazing thing about that? God can handle our questions. Many times we're afraid to ask God. And many times we're afraid to question God. And many times we think that all we have to do is receive that message and just wander around in emptiness. But God, in his plan, as he desires that for us, he desires us to question so that he can explain. And the angel continues to explain to Mary how this can be. 
And he ends it with this phrase, nothing is impossible with God. Because you see, Mary, not only are you going to be pregnant, but Elizabeth is already six months pregnant. Nothing is impossible with God. And many times we look at our life and God directs us and God gives us a way to go. And we go, God, I'm not going to do that. Because I don't have the skills or the abilities to do that. I don't have the talents to do that. I don't have the relationships with other people to do that. I am not going to do it because, God, it just won't work. I can't teach that Sunday school class because I can't stand in front of people. I'm unable to share my faith because it's so personal and it's it's just so much inside me that I'm afraid. God says, I do the impossible. I can change your plan. I can give you that divine plan for your life. And I will give you what? The grace, the skill, the ability, and everything to fulfill it. Because it is my will for you. Caused her to question. But as I look at that, it also caused her to fully surrender in verse 38. Behold the bondservant of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. She took it all in. She heard the, the, the angel. She saw his face. She heard the words. She took it. She was confused, but she came to that place that she surrendered. Behold the bondservant. Behold the one that is committed to serving you. Since God can do the impossible, and since that he has honored Mary then I have only one thing to do is to respond and accept and leave the details to him. You know, it's amazing as I watch that. I watch people like Jimmy Tidmore leave a job, leave a home, leave family, and serve God. Was it all pleasant? I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure it wasn't. I watched my son-in-law sell his house, sell his car, pay off everything and have minimal money in the bank and go to Israel in which there's bombings and kidnappings and death on every corner. And I go, I don't want you to go. And they go, we have to go. Because God's called us. God's called us. And because he called us, he allowed us to sell our house. He allowed us to sell our car. He allowed somebody to come in and buy all our furniture all at once. Lock, stock, and barrel. He has a way for his will to be performed. If we'll simply do what? Surrender unto that will. Surrender unto what God has. The task is challenging. It's uphill, there's battles, there's disappointments. But oh, the providence of God will go with us. God will direct each step of the way. His blessings are bestowed upon us. His grace surrounds us if we're willing. Philippians 1.6 says, Since God began this work in me, he will complete it. God has a plan for your life. And for mine. 
God has a plan for our life. Just like Jeremiah of old, who in the womb God was forming him and directing him and placed him in the right place at the right time. Just as God throughout history has moved people and moved generations and moved churches, God is moving today. And he has a plan for every single one of us. A plan that he has communicated and desires for your life. But, oh, I want to buy Apple stock, Lord. He says, but I want you to do this. But, Lord, you don't understand. I'm getting too old. He says, but I want you to do this. But you don't understand, Lord. I'm right in the middle of my career. I'm hoping to get the next level. I'm hoping to get the next raise. I'm hoping to buy the next car, the next house. I have kids that have got to go to college, and I've got weddings to pay for, and I've got this, and I've got that, and my life is so complicated, Lord. What am I going to do? And he says simply what? Follow me. Follow me. I'll take care of that wedding. I'll take care of those situations. I'll provide for you. I will be in your life. God has a plan. Do you know his plan for your life right now? Or are you like many of us going, Lord, it's too late. It's too tough. It's too hard. It's too difficult. It's too expensive. It affects too many people. The collateral damage is far, far greater than you know, Lord. Because, you see, your plan is going to affect my parents. Your plan is going to affect my aunts and uncles. Your plan is going to affect my church. Your plan is going to affect everyone around me. And I can't do it. God says, I have a plan for your life. He is calling this morning. God is calling. He has sent his angel. He has sent his word. He has sent every single one of us a text. Here's the play on words, okay? He has sent us a text. And the text says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. It is the season that we give and we give. But God wants us, first of all, to do what? To give of ourselves. To surrender to him. God is calling you today and you've put it off and you've put it off and you said, Lord, I'll do it later. Lord, I'll do it later. But God says, now's the time to surrender to me. Let go of it. It's sort of like that banana that's in that bottle that that monkey sticks his hand in and can't get out because he's grabbing a hold of that banana, right? How many of us have our hand caught in the jar and can't serve and unwilling to serve God because we're unwilling to let go? God's going to take care of your children, okay? God's going to take care of your house. God's going to take care of your job. God's going to take care of whatever you find the challenge to be because what? God does the impossible. And if you believe that, and if you understand that, then as Mary of old, you'll surrender and obey. God is able if we're willing to surrender. Matthew 10, 37, he says, Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. One more time. 
Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or his daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whosoever finds his life will lose it. And whosoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a very, very hard verse. And as one who has been on the receiving side of that, I understand the pain that is there. But God requires of us and demands of us that we give him ourselves. That we give him, first of all, the very essence of who we are. Mary surrendered and became the bondservant of Christ, of the Father, and became the vessel that God brought unto us salvation. Have you surrendered to him today? Have you been obedient unto him today? Have you started that journey with him? You may have joined the church. You may have been baptized. But ladies and gentlemen, that is simply the beginning. That is the start of the path of following him. This morning, as God speaks to you, as he lays that message upon your heart, as he revitalizes that call upon you, my prayer is, As Mary of old, you'll surrender, and I'll surrender. Shall we pray? Father God, we come this morning. We thank you for your message to us. And Father, you have spoken. Your spirit has moved. And Father, may we obey. May we obey that which God has called us. May we serve you as your bondservant. For, Father, your grace is sufficient. For we ask this in your precious name. Amen.